Contract Properties is a homegrown, family-owned maintenance company located in Nashville. They provide HVAC, electrical, plumbing, painting, and many other services for commercial and residential properties. From build-outs to junk removal, one call does it all. Whether you're a homeowner or a property manager, give Contract Properties a call today for a free estimate. 615-356-0755. That's 615-356-0755. Or visit ContractProperties.net. Coming up right now on the Midday 180. Greg Cosell joins us to preview Titans and Lions. Doug Matthews on Tennessee football and Vandy's new coach. And primary complaint is back. The Midday 180 starts now. From 104.5 The Zone, this is the Midday 180. Delivered by Edley's Barbecue. With Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. We are ready to go. Crew is all here, minus the chairman of the board, David Reed. Next best thing, Jonathan Schaefer, sticking around to help us out today. We are delivered by Edley's Barbecue, and they deliver to you. Edley'sBBQ.com. Plus, they can cater your Christmas dinner with packages feeding six people. You pre-order today through Monday, and then you pick up on the 23rd. Edley'sBBQ.com for details. Gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. How we doing, everybody? I'm okay. Just, just, just okay. okay. Yeah, not yeah. great. Do you want an honest answer? Yeah. Or do you want? Well, always honest. Fake here. answer. Always honesty. We don't fake. It's we, fine. We, we leave that. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. You're good. I think I sense. You know what I sense, Hutton? We're we gonna be all the way honest here. I sense some Nebraska dread. No. I yeah. think case he's looking, of the Nebraska dread. I think he's dread. looking forward to getting away. I, I, yeah, I am. Nobody it's looks good. forward to a drive with two little no, girls being honest, in Nebraska. He's looking forward to GTFOing. I look forward to. If he was going to an island, yes. If he's going to Nebraska, no. No offense to the in laws. I'm sure he has a nice time once he gets there. I look forward to, my, there, to my girls being happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, what I mean by. What a, what a way to phrase such that. Such a lonely world. Excellent job. If you saw. Evie and her excitement I, level the last two weeks to go see grandma, then that will make my entire trip. Grandparents are one of the most magical things known. Really to is mankind. amazing. And her cousins, you know, these are her cousins that she aspires Adores. to be. Yeah. She's got three older girl cousins up there that they play the entire time. So she is pumped up about that. So and it's wonderful that, that your happiness about that. can come from her happiness are you by the way we have... are leaving straight from here on friday paul was saying I told how you that you should we need that. to meet up and and leave at well i guess we'll be out on friday but we'll leave straight from there this is terrific that you have that happiness to look forward to while i have a son who's crying hysterically at the mere prospect of arm rehabilitation at the, at the mere touching of the arm for really? the stretching That's how bad the arm is well i mean he's just so nervous about anything and if he doesn't do the rehab himself or with our aid, and by our, I mean Teresa's, um, then he could go to actual physical therapy. And the idea of somebody stretching or tugging on that arm scares him to death. Then he should probably, so you're anticipating the joy of your daughter. and I'm anticipating the home, the home effect. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what he's being sold. But you're anticipating her joy, and I'm anticipating him on a, a stretching rack <laughs> having his arm straightened. Paul, I believe that the children are, are our, our future. Our future, I do too. And I believe that their happiness 
matters. I just want the arm straight. Throw him in the fastball. Well, this is this is the selling point to young Simon. Would you rather have mom that, tug on that arm listen, or a physical therapist that's a stranger? Listen, that's been this is this is what you want to have happen. Look, uh, the reaction at home is is just a fraction of what the reaction of the of a physical therapist would be. We're working on it. It's brand new. Brand new. He just got it Monday. Today's Wednesday. Just got out of the cast. Chad, will you have a white Christmas in, in Nebraska? You normally oh, do. Oh, it's always a white Christmas in Nebraska, Hutton, at some point. And by that, he means the cocaine he uses <laughs> to get through the trip. Huge. Which also makes him happy. Huge cocaine hub <laughs> up in Nebraska. Slopes. Hitting the slopes. Well-known cocaine area of yeah. northeast Nebraska. Colombian whites knows. and California reds. It's like Medina. Right. The, 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 the Medellin cartel really has a big operation you said up in northeast no Nebraska. no snow coming. Only 50 below wind chills. Yeah, e- Evie was freaked out. Not freaked out. She's upset that there was not going to be snow up there. That was the last forecast. I said, there's always some snow. Yeah, there's something. I mean, there's there, right now there's no forecasted snow. There's going to be some snow. You can find snow up there. Even if it's just on the side of the highway, there's always snow around. <laughs> Right, even if it's yellow, not, even if it's not six gray, inches of gray, snow on the ground, snow. there's gonna be snow brushed up against the house. There's always something Woo-hoo. up there. Paul, I don't remember what year it was because you know we're, we're going on ten years. But the ten good years. The um the the year that Chad went to Nebraska for like two weeks, he sent us wasn't a month. <laughs> he sent us a video. Well, I think he had to stay a little longer because he was snowed in. <laughs> <laughs> it said something no, that, like, I it, can't get out of this godforsaken yeah, place. It was a waste-deep snow. Uh, was the video of the truck that was piling a tunnel so. in front of me? <laughs> this is me trying to get out of Nebraska right now? I think as you leave Nebraska, for a family treat, you should listen to Springsteen's Nebraska, the whole album. The kids will love it. It's very dark. Yeah, we won't be listening to that. It'll be it'll be the kids in the back watching two separate screens, and you and Angie. Oh, that's perfect the entire time. Angie will appreciate it. My gift to you. I'll send you a digital copy. It's Paul's gift to the people. <laughs> I just want want Gifts to hear to about you listening. Yeah, the first song's about a murder spree. Oh, so it's uplifting. So last night, um, Claire was out. And I'm yeah, sitting, you guys don't see each other anymore. I know. Well, we've kind had, of like a, a, a we've test, had, testing out a separation. Me, meetings and then. It's like, uh, it's like Dolly Parton and her husband. Yeah. Do they <laughs> not see each other? They're a part of I've been watching all these documentaries about Dolly Parton lately. And her husband has been photographed like four times. And they've been married for over 50 years. And he he just stays out of the spotlight. Oh, you completely. can't find him. Yeah, he's difficult to find. But there, I'm. we were Raffles. talking last night. Like how many days of the year. Are they actually together when you think of Dolly Parton's schedule and him just hanging out back home? Anyway, sorry. I mean, is Hutton, that a terrible on. deal? Hutton, go not, ahead. Not for him. <laughs> um, I wonder if, you know, while we're talking about Dolly Parton, so the, 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 the thought is no one has seen her without, like, the full regalia, the full makeup, right, in Years. Yeah, she she doesn't come out of her room in the morning unless she's ready to go for the day. Certainly when so I saw her, she was ready. When do you think he has seen her last out of makeup? I think that he, the husband? Yes. Separate bedroom. I think the husband sees her out of makeup. I'm, I'm willing to bet there's probably two or three people in her life that see her out of makeup, and he's one of them. I'm going separate bedrooms. <laughs> 
Maybe. I'm going, they see each other with her in the makeup. Then when she goes separate to clean quarters. up, separate bedrooms. So yeah. I'm watching this thing on Netflix like about queen. Dolly Parton. Like and Jane, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin said that to get to know each other on the set of 9 to 5, they had these like slumber parties where they would just go into someone's hotel suite and put on pajamas and, and talk all night. Right. They said even for that, Dolly was in full wig, makeup, everything. While they're in pajamas getting ready to go to bed. And she would, you know, leave the Refused. room and then, yeah. Never and they would even hair. say, like, she's such an entertainer that she only allows, she won't allow every part of herself to be talked about when she's with someone. Like, even in that setting, they love her, but you can tell, like, you're only getting so much right. of her because it's Dolly the entertainer. So they couldn't say, hey, Dolly, why don't you, <clears throat> you know, let's all go wash up and we'll come back. and Wouldn't happen. Let's wash up. Go wash it. Is that not a good way to put it? <laughs> Sounds like the start of a very different kind of movie, Paul. That's not no, nine I mean, to five. Wash up with the lady. You take the makeup pads and you you take off the makeup. What does this involve? Pillow fights and stuff like that, Paul? <laughs> no, it's not, I wasn't heading there. In 1980, this is you guys. I wasn't heading there at all. Let's wash go up. wash up. Wash up. Take off the makeup. Let our hair down. These so, sorts of things. You I'm can sit- understand by you, you three women in a hotel room having a slumber party and one yeah. saying, "Why don't we go wash up?" How our mind might wonder when you say that. I think they watch up after what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. So I legitimately had this uh, thought cross my mind last night. I miss Tuesday night football. I did night. too. I did too. I would have liked the game nothing. to be. I, I mean, college basketball right now is half the teams don't want to play. You know, It's hard to be interested. I watched all of Tennessee against Appalachian State last night. A forty-two 40 point, point. Yeah, that must win. have been fun. Well, you took the you took the game. It was your first college basketball betting experience. A- eighteen and a half. Tennessee minus eighteen and a half. And he, and let me guess. After it was over, you wished you bet more. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It's, Every it's, time I win, I'm like, fun. damn it. It's it's fun for me. Should have bet more. It's more of an it's fun for me too to win more. Yeah, Winning that, that, more that, is that's fun. Fun also. I uh, my plan was to watch Chelsea was on. Uh, when we were at, over at Moe's next to Moments Peace, uh, I, I don't know why they were playing on a Tuesday. Schaefer might know. It's a little bit unusual. Well, Spurs in Liverpool today, so it's it's the festive Christmas season. Where they spread them out a little bit more? Yes, so I, more I, games I, spread out more. I saw it was starting, so I was averting my eyes, and often I'm able to avoid a score. Um, so I was going to hunker down and watch that game last night, and then unfortunately I saw a score, which ruins everything for me. And uh, then if I saw that they won, I might have watched it. But I saw that they lost, and I was irritated. And so I watched uh, – um, you know what I'm watching? Treadstone. Do you get what that – Chad will get what yeah, that is. Yeah, right that's uh, the, the born The born identity yeah. Yeah. stuff. There's, there's too much going on. It's too fast. And they have it scheduled that every seven and a half minutes there'll be a slow-motion fight. It's, it's a little bit like what, that. What is this on? I've never even heard of it. It's a USA thing that I'm watching oh, okay. through Peacock or Hulu. Teresa's out, but it's 10 episodes, and I'm on episode 7. So I, there's enough in it that I'm intrigued. I got into the Queen's, so basically, Queen's wait, Gambit. So, oh, Queen's Gambit's phenomenal. Very good. Phenomenal. That's How far next, in? Claire and I are both wanting to that's, watch that. You, you and Claire will both really I think it's it. impo- I have not found anybody that's had a bad word to say about Queen's Gambit. Here's it's, what's, here's it's what's amazing about it. I saw where the, the chess participation is up Skyrocket. like 4,000% with women. Sky that it's a big Christmas gift now. Not just with, women, but, but women in particular. Well, it's up 4,000% with women. It's up everywhere, but really with women because of the show. I watch the show. I'm intrigued by chess. 
Nothing about the show made me want to play oh, chess. Oh, I agree entirely. It's too difficult. It's too much. Too yes. much. Do one thing and then call it a day. It's fun to watch the chess scenes yeah, in the they show. They do a good job because it could be very boring. Of making it exciting. Make but every, man, every chess high-stakes chess game is filmed differently. It's done differently. It's not a game I want to play. I mean, listen, we're talking about Jason Bourne and these high-speed you know, fight things. Those chess games are filmed in a way that they're not that different than a damn Jason Bourne running on the roof. It, it's really remarkable what they do with it. I, I think it's a phenomenal series. She deserves some kind of award um, for her performance in this, the adult. She's very good. Coming up today, Greg Cosell joins us. He'll join us today at 10.15. Doug Matthews, man, at 11.15. And then primary complaint a bit later in the show. When we come back, Paul had a chat with Mike Malarkey. And for the first time, he was talking about how things ended here in Nashville with the Titans. Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue, 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue. Our fill-in producers really respect me more more than Dickie Reed. Just say that about Bumpy. Schaefer, how do you feel you, being called a fill-in producer? Well, he's filling in for David Reed. Is I'm that filling in for David Reed. Yeah, it's accurate. It's fine. Schaefer understands me. He gets me. Professional. <laughs> well, that you are. A pro's pro. That you are. That's what we've always said about Schaefer. I pros, appreciate you, pro. Schaefer. I appreciate you. This is the only time Paul and I get to bond is over it's Spring it's, State. Uh, yeah. There's so few bonding opportunities. That's opportunities exactly what I'm saying. That's right. I mean, he could do some Springsteen. He could do some Howard Stern. Well, see, you're either... We could do EPL, but then we can't get into team specifics. You're either in or you're out with Paul, and Schaefer's in for life. At least for the show duration. At least for the show. I mean, <laughs> in the show, we get along. <laughs> We've had our quarrels, well, but even if, okay. But if you're in... I mean, who hasn't If you're had in, who if you've had, had quarrels, quarrels, you're still in. Right. But if you're out... You're out. You have a quarrel, and then there's no coming back from that. Yeah. I mean, certain quarrels are, are funeral. <laughs> the burials. <laughs> Look, right. I had something amazing happen to me at the end of that quarrel. Paul called me and apologized. That's what was amazing. Which quarrel was that? It doesn't matter. Tell me off air. I just want to remember. <laughs> I but did I was, call him and tell him that I, I, was, uh, I was proud of you. I was proud of you. Don't talk to me like I'm 12. <laughs> um, uh, there was something that I went overboard, and I do this. People don't get this side of me, so I appreciate you bringing it up. I uh, I went overboard on something, and I called them up and said, hey, there there was more context to that, and I blew up at you about it, and you got more than you deserved in terms of the shrapnel, and I apologize for and so, Yeah, instead of the person that deserved it. Yeah. That's right. And that I happens. do that. You have a tendency to do that. I do that sort of thing. You blow up at the wrong person, and then you come back 30 minutes later. See, this is the soft The target window. leaves. The Before, tar- you wouldn't have ever apologized. Now you feel bad about the it target, When the target leaves, um, I still need a target. Henry Morgan may be your target, Paul, because he says Treadstone was, was canceled. Well, I don't care. This guy, I, I mean, I, I, it's, I'm, I don't have to have it. I'm gonna, uh, even though it's canceled, I'm going to watch episodes 7, 8, 9, and 10. I just hope they wrap it up in episode 10 where you, you're it's not, not a wanting. Yeah, well, yeah, it's ra- important I mean. because somebody is waking up all of the Treadstone figures to kill. I, I need to know. Yeah, they better have wrapped it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess this wasn't shot as a limited series and there will be no wrapping it up. It was probably just canceled after a season, hoping it, they would have a second season. I, conceptually, it's a very good idea. It is. 
I feel like it's a little late to the party, though, to to revamp this. See, I think it can born at any time, like it can bond at any time. Yeah, yeah but born the, is an is a it's a it's its own it's its empire. own thing. But and quite frankly, it's got a version of that soundtrack, and I think you put anything with some action to that music, the music that played when he was running across uh, the, the rooftops the, the in Morocco. Music. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's that good. music. It's, it's like a techno. Put score. anything to that, and I'm in. See, I, Chad likes the the series stuff. I I've only seen the first Mission Impossible. I was telling him this this morning. Yeah, I haven't got. I, I maybe I haven't watched MI two through MI six, and I know there's a seven coming. They're very entertaining. Um, it's pure. And I, don't, entertainment. I don't disagree with that, but it, it was brought up because of the the, the Tom Cruise blow up on set, uh, where he's just berating his staff. See, I feel like he's acting in that. You do. Yeah, uh, Tom Cruise I isn't a method actor. I think that's the Scientologist coming out in him. I yeah. I, I agree, but I think that's the Scientologist kind of like, in him. I thought he was impervious to sickness. See, that's kind of a <laughs> what does a, he care? The Scientology <laughs> part, viruses don't exist in his his belief. The, the Scientology part of it is like a deep programmed treadstone like acting. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. You know what I mean? He's got a chip in him that sets him to act. But if you're brainwashed, are you acting? Well, he's. I don't think that he's as into Scientology anymore. That Scientology documentary got into this. If you notice, he's been silent about it for a while. And there's a lot of people who believe he's got some sort of NDA with the Scientology, the Church of Scientology, where he just doesn't speak about it so at all. So he's not going to be he, Ramini. He's clearly broken away from the church with people that know him. But he can't say anything negative about the church now because they have all of these recordings of him in his deepest, darkest secrets. and those. Back. The going clear moments. So or whatever. he's not going to be your girl who came out and and blasted them. Yeah, Ramini, Leah Ramini. Yeah, um, Leah Remini. Remini. I think it sounds pretty. I, I buy that. Uh, anyway, it, for more context, there's like a three minute recording of him going ape bleep on cast and crew. It seems like of the movie set for MI fifteen seven um, uh, about breaking COVID protocols and. Re- potentially ruining what's, it for everybody but what's interesting is in the like two minute clip not one time does he mention virus covid nothing like you could you could have said he's ranting about what someone did and you just fill in the blank and right. it fits the it fits well, the lighting the this is great for the internet because now you can just use tom <laughs> for his yeah, he doesn't mention anything. he doesn't mention what he's upset about at all it's for like years, a german dictator have... screaming yeah. about whatever and you can fill in whatever caption you want it's over. like this is hutton reacting to this in studio and it's just the tom cruise ranting about protocols right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey i've got a quote for you guys i want to read that i just saw uh posted by Wes rucker actually on, on twitter i watched tennessee's basketball team last night this is just a quick aside because we're going to get into a bigger story. But this is from John Brennan, who's the head coach at Cincinnati. These are strong words. Tennessee is a Final Four caliber team with a Hall of Fame coach and five-star players who play extremely hard. Extremely hard. I've seen two truly great defensive teams, or two that I would call great defensive teams, in my entire career. That's Texas Tech, the national championship final team, and the potential of this Tennessee team. And I think Rick Barnes will get that out of them. It's pretty strong. They held Appalachian State, who was averaging 81 points a game, to 38 points. Who would Appalachian State average that against? No one good. But still. I don't doubt they're fantastic defensively. I hope we get to see them. I I think basketball is going to. 
come apart they, in a bad way. They held Colorado to they held Colorado way. to forty seven points. Colorado was averaging over eighty and beat Kansas State on the road in the nineties by twenty three, twenty five points. And held Cincinnati, I think, in the fifties. Yep. In I their mean, game. I, to me, I don't know if you guys agree, college basketball's just gotta hold things together well enough to get to pull off March Madness. Well, I think with Tennessee, everyone's had it. I think yeah. their entire roster's had COVID now. So they're that's fine. Not their it's problem. the ones their that haven't had finding it. opponents. Yeah, yeah, now, but they missed their first opponents because everyone had it. So now they're in the clear. So how many teams are like that? I guess would be the question. Are you a bit? I'm a bit surprised they didn't just start the season with conference play, the same way football, football did. did. Get through it and get to the tournament. Because it's so jumbled and it's just such a mess right now. And yeah. you could see it coming. Now, you have no idea what's going on on a given night. It's difficult to get as excited about the games right now. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It's an unfortunate time to be really good. You'd rather Tennessee, like if you could pick, have been really good last year and yeah. be really good next year and suck right now. Your team, you'd rather your team suck this year. Well, the hope is that you get to March and you have a season, a semblance of a season, and then the tournament's just as fun as it's always been. And, you know, knock on wood, come March – Maybe a lot of the countries had a vaccine. Sure. And there's a lot right. less known. Right. And then sure. it's, okay, now suddenly we've got people going to the state, the arenas, and it's a different feeling around it. And there's a lot less known. A tournament could be more upset-heavy than ever because you're going to know a lot less about these teams having played fewer games. Yeah. That's true, too. You're going to know. I mean, you're... You'll know about them. This is what's going to be interesting. The uh, comparisons among the different conferences. Right. Because we're really only going to know things when they play based each other on, in the based conference. Based on conference. Which is right. so you don't have these, football, right? I mean, yeah, Tennessee plays Kansas in January. That's a big measuring stick between the Big 12 and the SEC. There's some games like that. Kentucky's 1-4 mm-hmm. right now, and they're about to be 1-5 possibly. They play UCLA. They should beat UCLA, I think. But who knows? They've got UCLA and Louisville. They're next two. Kentucky may be 1-6 to start the season in non-conference. That would be fantastic. Kentucky fans, awfully quiet and, on that. And Duke is down. Matt Jones, awfully quiet right now on, on Twitter. He's rich, but he's awfully quiet. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> he's quiet and rich. Yeah. So they they just sold Kentucky Sports Radio, for those that haven't seen that story. Hey, uh, playoff scenarios just came out. Titans clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Baltimore loss, with a win and a Las Vegas loss or tie, and a Miami loss and a Cleveland win or tie. With a win and a Las Vegas loss or tie and a Miami loss, uh, and Tennessee or Cleveland clinches strength or victory. So there's three different scenarios where they clinch playoff berth this week. All with a win. All with a win. Beat the Lions. We'll we'll get into Detroit a bit. Coming up with Greg Cosell, Paul. Three years after the fact, Mike Malarkey finally spoke about how things ended here in Nashville with the Titans. Why? I realize you're in Jacksonville. He lives there. There's a connection where you can meet up with him. But why do you, why reach out now? Why did he feel the need to talk now? I don't know if he felt the need. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. Last year, and look, I've been reaching out to him for some time. Obviously, I've always wanted to talk to him about this. The further you get away from something, the more willing a guy is. He's out of the league now, so that frees him up. Um last year um it came close to happening but he was in europe 
when I was in Jacksonville with the Titans. So I reached out to him again last week, and I said, hey, coming down to see the Titans and the Jags, would you be willing to, to have a beer Saturday or coffee on, uh, on, on Monday? Um, and uh, eventually he got back to me, and he said, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not in town. Saturday. I, get, I don't get back until Saturday, uh, but I'd be up for coffee on, on Monday morning. And I said, you know, I've got to be back to, to my hotel by 10 to do my radio show. Could we pull it off early enough? And, and he said, yeah. Got back to me late in the week, gave me the coffee shop in Atlantic Beach, which is very close to where he lives. And uh, we took it from there. I didn't know how he would be in terms of, you know, how, uh, how open. But, you know, after we exchanged our pleasantries and sat down, uh, I turned on the tape recorder, pushed it across the table, and he never said anything about it after that. And we talked for How'd you open? between 45 minutes and an hour. Talked a little bit about uh, retirement and went to, um, you know, an immediate positive and talked about Arthur Smith um, for, for a while. Yeah. But he wasn't, uh, he didn't hesitate. I mean, the story I wrote today was the most unpleasant, I think, uh, about what went down in those last couple weeks of his last season. Um, and, and those so, last few weeks start with um, they're eight and four. They have the West Coast trip where they travel to Arizona. They stay the week in Arizona after losing to a bad Cardinals team. They then go to. Uh, they they stay the week, then they go to San Francisco, lose that game with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing screen passes all over their defense, and then fly back to Nashville, lose to the Rams. Three consecutive losses. It's just an awful, miserable stretch. But then they get into the postseason. So then, going into the Jacksonville week, where they have to win here, and the Jaguars have already clinched the AFC South, if I'm not mistaken. Um, though positioning might have still been in question for them. I don't remember. Um, They have to win that game, and it comes out, I think, Rappaport, that his job is in jeopardy. So, I mean, the Titans are a pretty buttoned-up organization. It's unlike them to have something like that, even if it's true, and it was true. But why put that out, you know? And that was, was his big question. You know, here we are in a playoff game, effectively, and uh, uh, this is out. And then they win that game, and then it's out going to Kansas City, first playoff game um, for the team in eight years, and that's out. Um, and and he's just kind of baffled by it. And we all know the contract situation with him. He was a lame duck. I mean, he had one year coming. And so it was a very awkward time. And then they beat Kansas City. They come back from 18 down in the second half. It was miraculous and fluky and all of that. It's their first playoff win in 14 years. And I don't know if it was the first question. It feels like it was the first question. It was about his job status and, and the report. So, you know, and I remember writing, like, he, he played victim there. And I felt like, hey, you know, you're still, Amy Adams Strunk has given you this remarkable chance. You know, you've got no business really complaining about it. I wrote that, and I still feel that way to a degree. <clears throat> but listening to him talk about it and everything, look what a terrible situation they put him in. So my feeling after talking to him 
was really like, here's this buttoned-up organization, you know, run by Steve Underwood, a lawyer. Uh, all organizations are like, why, you know, want to avoid distractions. Outside distractions are poison. The Titans created an in-house distraction when they're at the peak of coming back from 2-14 and 3-13 and, and 13 just two years prior, three years prior. Less than that, but yeah. And they create their own distraction in the middle of this. Um, and so, you know, they beat Kansas City. He feels like he sealed his fate with some of what he did and said at that point. They go to New England, and they, and it's still a, a topic that whole week after Kansas City. He asked John Robinson to tamp it down. It wasn't really tamped down. Amy Adams put out, uh, Amy Adams Strunk put out a statement we all remember that was kind of, it still left a big hole for what happened to happen. I, I remember just going into that week thinking, okay, if if they win at New England in the divisional round, there's no way he's fired. There's no or, or allowed to to walk. I, I thought there was no way he was going to be fired after, after winning Kansas in Kansas City. Well, but th- there was a report that came out um, where we spent a day talking about how that they had come to terms on a contract extension for him. And then – the day later, or maybe the same day, there was a report that they were parting ways. And and the storyline, just this was, reading between the lines on the show, was, well, he's refusing to get rid of Terry Rabisky, or you know, he's refusing to do this or that with his coaching staff. Yeah, he told me, and I didn't write this, uh, um, I, I he felt that Terry Rabisky did the job he asked him to do, which I, I know we all had debate on. He said Terry Rubisky didn't get credit for the good things he did. We all focused on the negative things he did. I know we can debate all of this. I wasn't a Terry Rubisky guy. Um, <clears throat> I don't think many of us were. And, you know, all coaches in a situation like his get burned for their loyalty to their people. My big takeaway from this whole thing is <clears throat> why not just be quiet through the whole thing? And then if you want to fire him at the end of it, fire him at the end of it. I don't see what purpose it served to have leaked out this stuff to Rappaport along the way and then to have it hanging over the franchise into the Jacksonville week, into the Kansas City week, and into the New England week. I think it made it harder on your own team for those three weeks, and I think you you hurt your team by doing that. And I don't know what purpose it served outside of maybe softening it for your fan base when it ultimately happened, which shouldn't have been your primary concern. Your primary concern should have been winning those games. And then you just take the hit at the end. If you're taking a PR hit for firing a guy that won a playoff game, so be it. What was the purpose of putting that out there? Let's get and into... And I think Malarkey, that was his question too. He said the primary thing was we're in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. We won a playoff game for the first time in 14 years. And the question everybody's asking is about my future. When did Malarkey know it was done? We'll we'll ask Paul that based on his conversation with him. 615-737-1045. Remember, more of your phone calls coming up as well. Midday when Eddie delivered by Edley's Barbecue, 1045 The Zone. Michael in Clarksville. Next up, Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue. What's up, Michael? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? I heard y'all uh, talking earlier about the shows that you were watching, and I just finished up watching the Queen's Gambit myself, and that was an amazing docuseries. 
another one I thought you guys might like would be uh, uh, a show called Away, out on Netflix. Um, it uh, features Hillary Swank as the lead role, and it's about uh, a bunch of astronauts heading out into space to be the first humans to step uh, foot on Mars. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, Angie and I watched that we as well. We watched it, too. Away with Hillary Swank. Not a docuseries. No. want to make that clear. Queen's Game, a complete fiction. fiction. Uh, the whole character, everything is based on a book. It is definitely based on actual characters in the chess world. Yeah, like there's a Bobby Fischer type. There's the uh, guy that Bobby Fischer beat in Russia. That's definitely modeled after him. So some of that is based on reality, but it's it's fiction. But yeah, both both really good. I want to throw back to one show that people didn't pick up on that Chad and I watched that should have been a big hit that wasn't Messiah. I don't know why that didn't catch on. It wasn't word of mouth. I don't know if it's taboo area or what. It's a really good show. Very good. And it's there's not going to be a second season, right? Or did I? Or is there going to be a second season? I don't season? know. There should be. But I thought it was a good self-contained show. I'll give you another one. that There are certain shows that hit, and there's so much out there that I'm shocked that some of these things aren't promoted more or just disappear. There's a show on Amazon called Zero Zero Zero. And this thing was shot in New Orleans, South America, Morocco, Italy. It's like this huge story of cocaine trafficking. And it is incredibly well done. It's not a big name cast. Subtitled. A lot of it in subtitles. Italy. Uh, there's, it's, it follows the cartel in Mexico. It follows an Italian crime family and what's going on there. And then this shipping, these shipping magnets in New Orleans. And they're the Americans that are trying to get the product from the cartel in Mexico across the Atlantic to Italy. And it's all these three storylines going on at one time. I mean, it's like one long blockbuster movie. I don't know that Amazon ever did anything to promote this series being on Amazon. And I was reading some best of lists for 2020. And, and it, was in the, it was in the top five of three of the ones that I listed. And they all said the same thing. I have no idea Amazon's strategy for some of these shows that just get buried in all these platforms. But it's I highly recommend it. Paul, when did Malarkey insinuate that he knew it was over? Because let me let, let me ask let me set up why I'm asking you that. Because that way. Because he he's he's making it sound like the, the organization threw him under the bus. They wouldn't have done that if things prior to that wouldn't have led to that moment. Yeah. Right? So what led to that moment? We've always pointed to the Arizona trip. He said he thought things had turned even before the Arizona trip. And they were 8-4 and four then. But why? He's not sure. Um, but he used the word agenda um, with, his, with his staff after, after the record had turned, after 8-4 and four had turned into 8-7. and seven. Right. Uh, but before the Kansas City game. He told his staff, I, I think there's an, an agenda here. Well, I, now, he didn't, so, okay, uh, let, and he didn't think it was Vrabel. Like, he thought that they had something in mind, but he didn't know what it was. So does, does, he, does he believe, even if he goes out west and wins, that he's still not back as the, the team's head coach? Because I will say that game against the Cardinals was one of the worst, worst football game. games I've ever watched in my life. It was a terrible. They were terrible. Game. It was a terrible, terrible game. I didn't ask him that. But I do think, I mean, you know, if winning in Kansas City uh, didn't change a tenor, 
you know, if they won in, in, in New England, would it have? I, I don't know. My personal feeling is they were done. Like, they felt like he took him as far as he could. And, and frankly, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I, I wrote that I thought it was the right move. I think he did an excellent job in changing the culture and getting buy-in and all of that. But I thought that they needed to get to a place where, um, where they could do more things offensively, and they are in that place. Now, I will say I think Mariota was a big part of that problem, and he talked um, not as extensively as he did about what we're talking about, what I wrote already, but he talked about Mariota, and I will be writing that uh, for the for the site as well, and and we'll probably have another discussion about yeah, that. Um, for sure. But he he was handcuffed uh, to a degree by Mariota, and and one of the things they cited in firing him was that Mariota didn't develop. Well, guess who else Mariota didn't develop for? The coach that is in place right now, who I think we all agree is a better coach, right? Um, and a more effective coach, but he's a more effective coach in large part because he got a better quarterback, and that was somewhat dumb luck, um, you know, or good foresight by Robinson to get an alternative. Mike Vrabel also didn't develop Marcus Mariota, and that to me isn't a Mike Malarkey and his staff problem and a Mike Vrabel and his staff problem. It's a Marcus Mariota problem. I do remember getting on the, the the flight home after the Kansas City playoff win, and on the on the way to the to the to the plane, thinking and, and reading the comments made in the post game presser that he that you go into detail about, and thinking to myself, yeah, he's got to win one more, and he knows it. He and said, he, fe- he, he felt said, like this should be enough, and he knows he's got to win one more. He said, "Here's the pin- you know what should be the pinnacle of my career," and my wife is crying. You know, and it's pretty awkward human moment. No matter what you think about him as a coach or what you well, think maybe. should have happened to him, I, I I just come out come out of it thinking like, why didn't he stay quiet and just fire him at the end? Of well, it? maybe but, a wild card playoff win being the pinnacle of his career was a problem Titans management I, had with him. I remember. See, well, I, they loved him though. They loved him when yeah, they I don't hired think there's anything yeah. about yeah. And, and and look, Titans fans did not love that decision when they hired him. That was an unpopular decision. Very unpopular at the time, so they did love him. So something changed, but I, I'm just taking this into context, and it was the pinnacle of his head coaching career, but maybe it was the Titans saying, this is the pinnacle of yeah. your head coaching career, and we need someone that can just take it to the next level. I don't disagree with that. Here's another interesting thing. He said with two or three games left, ownership came to him. Uh, two or three games left in the interim season, ownership came to him and said, you're the guy. You're the you're you're going to be the permanent head coach, which and we had all a, we would, had yeah we had all a, a thought that assume. was what happened yeah. So he said it was a bogus search, and that they then had him calling potential GMs with Robinson at the head of the list to give them his feeling for how he thought he would work with some of those guys. Not like he was hiring a GM. How do you feel if you're one of the people who interviewed for the job at that point? Yeah. Knowing that's, that. that's not a very good. I mean, I guess in some respect it helps it. you because the more head coaching interviews you get, the better for you. Well, but going back but to the names. There's another circumstance. Why not just wait? Well, going back to the names that were he interviewed. Said, apparently, see, the, the, the thought I, the, what I remember happening with the interview process, they interviewed Doug Marone, who they, who they, I think really liked. And he was a terrible interview. 
And turns out he's a terrible Moop. coach. <laughs> and it was Moop. Perry Fuel was the other yeah. interview, I believe. Might have been one more. And then the GMs now, were now Ted Doug Sunquist. runs about to be Jeremy Pro's offensive coordinator in Knoxville. But here, here's the thing, though. He said, he said, and again, you, you know, you have to consider the source and all that. He said it was it was an awkward thing for him because they come in and tell him he's the guy. Well, he hasn't had a chance to sit down and make his case. Like, here's what I need. Here's what I want in terms of, like, we have to redo the facility. We have to do – and he ended up getting most of those things. But think about the mechanics of that from ownership. It's pretty shrewd. Come in and say, hey, it's oh, your job. Yeah. Instead of he him getting – right, right, and he doesn't get a chance to kind of sit down and say, okay, to, to interview per se and say – I like what's going on here, but in order to go forward, we need to do this, 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 and this. And he yeah, never he had has, that. But he has no leverage. Opportunity. He has no leverage. I mean, he, he backed into the head coaching job when Tommy Smith's hire was fired because Tommy yeah, Smith wasn't in charge hard. anymore. Yeah, and then he won at New Orleans, and the team played hard for him down the stretch, and he got the gig. More power to him, but you can't turn down any offer you get. No. You can't make demands. No, but it's still weird for them to do that and then it's what three games left so you're talking he had the job for a month ahead of a, a search which i'm sure the league wouldn't have been wild no about if no they, of course if not they knew it, with the rooney rule and everything right Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. our number coming up we have headlines schaefer's got those for you we discuss some of the the big national headlines, including the Supreme Court agreeing to hear the NCAA athlete compensation case that's going to be taking place in 2021. It's the first confirmation we've heard that they're going to hear this case uh, after the three-judge panel from the Circuit Court of Appeals ruled this past May. We'll give you the details on that. Plus, Greg Cosell coming up in about 20 minutes. Midday when Eddie delivered by Edley's Barbecue, 104.5 The Zone.